From the windows, doors, and more studios, your one-stop shop for all your kitchen and bath needs. The Pat Miller Program. Whoa, whoa. 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. Depend on it. And welcome back to the third hour of our Saturday Sojourn, uh, our wrap-up of the week's news. And standing by, uh, he's there with us right now on the Newsmaker line from Washington, D.C., 3rd District Congressman Jim Banks. Congressman Banks, good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Pat. Good to be with you. Nice to have you with us, as always. Um, I-, I want to ask you about a few items that have come up during the course of the of the week and, and I'm kind of turning my whole broadcast into kind of a, a span of, okay, exactly what did happen this week. And we talked to Kayla about it and Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics. Uh, in the last hour, we talked to Martin Carbaugh from down at the State House about, okay, so how are things down there uh, shaping out? But I wanted to talk to you. You have some unique perspectives because of being on Capitol Hill, being in the House, uh, also um, with everything going on relative to the military, and that all means a great deal to you. So let me start there. Let's go to Secretary Austin um, and his illness, his hospitalization, his repeated hospitalization, and is he now struggling to act like he's been forthcoming all along, or is this new? What does this tell you, A, about the secretary and about what it is that the president and his administration is asking of his secretaries or not asking of his secretaries? I saw someone a little bit ago, Pat, say we should, the Biden administration should control alt delete and just wipe out all of these cabinet secretaries and start over because it's been such an embarrassment and a disaster for our country the past three years. But when it comes to the Secretary of Defense, the, the guy who's on the job running the Pentagon, keeping America safe every single day, uh, we have one of the worst secretaries that we've ever seen who projects weakness not strength abroad, especially to our, our biggest enemies. So when Secretary Austin uh, uh, became ill at the end of December, had surgery for prostate cancer, which obviously I, I, I wish him well. I, I pray for a speedy and full recovery for him. But he had complications related to that on January 2nd, I believe. The White House was never notified of it. The president was in the Caribbean on vacation. The the number two at the Pentagon, who became the acting secretary, uh, she didn't know that she was going to be uh, placed in that role. She was in vacation on the beaches of she was on vacation on the beaches of, of Puerto Rico at the time and was told nothing about what was going on with the secretary. It's it's just another example of how much of a dysfunctional mess this administration is. I asked the secretary in a high-profile hearing on Thursday, is it typical that you would go three days without talking to the commander-in-chief, the secretary of defense? And he hemmed and hawed and said, well, you know, that, that can happen. Sure, that you know, sometimes we go days without talking. And I asked him, does that mean that you're irrelevant or the president is that aloof that he doesn't know that his secretary of defense has 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 come up missing. Yeah, what a, what a terrific question to ask. I mean, that's a terrific question because that says, okay, there's got to be some shortcoming at one end of this stick. Yeah, he said, I'm not I'm not uh, irrelevant, and the president's not aloof. Well, something something's really wrong here. Uh, if the secretary of defense can go missing and nobody knows about it, the president doesn't even know about it. All the while, the the biggest part of all of this that to remember is that during those three days that he was hospitalized and the president didn't know where he was or didn't care or, or maybe the president didn't know where he was either. <laughs> himself. Uh, 
Um, we had troops who were under fire by Iranian-backed militias yes. in the Middle East yes. at that time. So there were there were important military operations going on, and our own troops who were under attack. And our Secretary of Defense is MIA, and mm-hmm. no matter what the circumstances are, so it raises a lot of questions. He, of course, he like like uh, normal, he blamed his staff, he pointed fingers at others, and just like. Afghanistan. Uh, one year ago, in the same hearing room, I um, I asked Secretary Austin if he had any regrets about Afghanistan. He said he had no regrets. No one was held ag- accountable for that. No one's going to be held accountable for this. And you're just going to see for what's what's uh, left of this Biden administration. The lack of accountability for anything means you're going to see a lot more messes created that Donald Trump's going to have to clean up come January of next year. We know, and, and, and some other things too, Congressman, whether it's um, the people that we lost in Afghanistan because of our shoddy pullout, whether it's people that we're losing on foreign soil because we're not making sure that our defenses are up where they're supposed to be or realizing who our enemies are, or even young college students being murdered by an illegal immigrant down in Georgia. It seems like this administration is so quick to want to tell you, well, this is actually just, you know, this is business as per usual. This is not really that large of an issue. If it was a big issue, uh, we'd be dealing with it. Well, I would suggest to him, sir, it is that big of an issue. Yeah, it, it, it really is. I mean, this the, our country is so much um, less safe. The world is on fire. The world is less safe because of Joe Biden and the, the weakness that they project on a daily basis. I mean, I I read uh, excerpts from Chinese and Russian uh, propaganda outlets that were making fun of Secretary Austin, making fun of the Biden administration for the Secretary of Defense, the top uh, civilian military leader in the country going missing. I mean, it, it projects weakness to them, just like our open border projects uh, and attracts uh, weakness and illegals and crime and drugs to come into our country, the the weak posture of the administration attracts our enemies to seize on this weak moment in time that uh, with the with a with the weakest commander in chief that we've ever had in the White House and his uh, gang of buffoons that he's he's surrounded himself with too. You know what what, what was the temperature on Capitol Hill uh, right after? the whole Christmas New Year disappearance of the Secretary of Defense. What was what was the feeling there on Capitol Hill when finally it was found out, okay, we really didn't know where he was, and now we do, it's no big deal, yada, yada. What, what was the general take by everybody there on Capitol Hill? I think for most Republicans it was more of the same. I, but I think for Democrats it was embarrassing. And you heard a few Democrat members on the committee yesterday ask, you know, t- not tough, but I suppose tougher than normal questions to the secretary of how, how does this happen? How are you going to prevent something like this from happening again? Because they have to ask, I mean, they're, they're, they're on the spot. They're being put on the spot. So they have to look like they're trying to correct a mess and an embarrassment that the secretary had created. So you had a couple of veteran uh, members of the House on the committee who are Democrats compare it to what would happen if a soldier went AWOL for three days. They would be punished for it. They would be held accountable for it. The secretary, he admitted and agreed to that, that this is the the example that that he has uh, set forth is is a bad example for our troops who know when you're trained in the military, if you have a, if you go into the, if you get sick and go to the hospital, you better tell your, your uh, commanding officer, you better tell the 
next person in the, in the chain of command. That's how the military works and functions. And you'll be held accountable for that if you don't do that. You'll be search parties will be created to go find people who go AWOL. So when the Secretary of Defense goes just goes missing for three days, I mean, it's a it's not just embarrassing. It's a bad example for all of the troops that uh, that are under his his command as the, the top civilian leader of our military. Well, and whether somebody is on the field for us fighting and whether they are Republican or Democrat, if they are soldiers, sailors, Marines, if they're Coast Guard, whomever they are, if they're Navy personnel, uh, when they look down and they see their stripes on their shoulders, they need to be able to look over their shoulders and they need to be able to know that their president and certainly the secretary most readily responsible for them stand behind them. And to find out that there was a complete disconnect between their secretary and their president, that's got to take their confidence down just a shade. Yeah. But remember, I mean, obviously, Secretary Austin, like most of these cabinet secretaries, are in over their head. But remember that when it comes to the military and what what Secretary Austin has done um, uh at, at, at President Joe Biden's command to politicize our military, to to uh, discharge thousands of troops because they didn't take a politicized COVID-19 vaccine, to push woke policies on our troops and and uh, ra- and advocate for radical transgender ideology in the military and, and pro-abortion uh, initiatives in the military. So you, you realize that his focus has been a lot more on 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 politics and advancing a left a radical left-wing agenda in our military rather than actually preparing our soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines to go to war and and building our military to make it tougher uh, so that we never fight that we never have a fair fight we always have an advantage against our adversaries and projecting strength this is just another his disappearing act in early january i again i i my heart goes out to him he he had a cancer diagnosis right he told he told the committee on Thursday that the doctors tell him he's going to fully recover, and I'm glad for that. Um, although he can only sit with us for two hours, he said because of his health conditions. That that doesn't exactly project strength uh, to China and Russia and Iran and North Korea when the Secretary of Defense can't uh, sit there for a full committee hearing; can only give two hours to take questions. My my heart goes out to him for his health concerns, but may, maybe it's time for this guy to move on. And and I'm frankly I'm shocked after. How he embarrassed the president. He made the he made the president look aloof because we all know the president probably is aloof and missing in action too. Um, I'm surprised the president didn't call for his resignation. He should have resigned. Exactly um, right. He should have resigned so the president could put someone in the job who's up for it. Third District Congressman Jim Banks. He's already agreed with to be with us for two segments today because I've got a little bit more I want to get into. We'll do all that straight ahead as we continue to move through this day. This is Pat Miller here with you on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. This is the Pat Miller Program on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM and on the WoWo app. And welcome back. Glad you're with us. Uh, We're here with 3rd District Congressman Jim Banks and Congressman Banks. Because there's so much on the agenda, I knew we couldn't get it done in just one segment. Uh, first of all, sir, thank you for another segment with you today. I appreciate it very much. 
Great, always great to be with you, Pat. Um, so let me shift channels here just a little bit, because we were talking about the the uh, Secretary of Defense and all of that, and our standing with our troops and with our enemies, and even with our friends. You want them to have confidence in us as well. Uh, I know that there you you've come through an armed services hearing. Uh, what was that like this week? Well, it was you know, an important moment to hold the Secretary of Defense accountable. And, um, you know, the hearing was, it only lasted for for two hours, but a lot of tough questions for the Secretary about what went wrong, uh, why his staff uh, failed to inform the White House about him going to the hospital. Of course, he he never takes, he, he says he takes responsibility, and then the same breath, the Secretary of Defense, just like the President, will blame. Uh, the, his uh, his staff underneath sure. them, but uh, that, that's just what we've come to expect. So, uh, obviously, it's important for the American people to see hearings like this one and recognize the breadth of just how dysfunctional this administration is, especially as we move into a election cycle where the American people are going to vote again on the you know the Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, and who was a better president? It's very clear to me that that uh, Donald Trump wasn't just a better president. He was a stronger, stronger leader when it came to making our military strong and projecting strength around the world. And you got this clown show uh, under the Biden administration going on at the Pentagon today. And that, that's what the that's what the, the hearing was uh, was all about, was was uh, was shining a light on the dysfunction and holding the secretary accountable since the president's not going to do it himself. I, I, again, and we talked about this a little bit in the last half hour, but I was struck by the difference of view based on where the former president and the current president, where they went earlier this week on the border, uh, and where where Donald Trump went, where there has been a huge amount of activity, 2,100 people who crossed and got away with it, unaccounted for, just in the last four or five days, and yet Joe Biden went to where the total wasn't the 2,100 like they had in, in, uh, in where the President Trump was, but where Joe Biden went, there were 46 crossings. Those are two completely different views of the border, and I think those are two completely different approaches. Listen, Biden doesn't want to go anywhere where he looks bad and he's going to have to give an account for his administration. Yeah, I mean, this is the the biggest issue facing our country, a wide open border. Joe, everyone knows, even Democrats know, Joe Biden is fully responsible for what's going on at the border. He signed executive orders on his first day in office that un, undid uh, the, the Trump policies that secured the border. And, you know, it's not, there's just no comparison. I mean, I don't, I don't care where he goes at the border. I mean, everyone knows that he's responsible for the, the biggest crisis facing this country, the biggest humanitarian crisis, crime, drugs, 10 million plus illegals flooding over our country. I've, I've been to the border with with Donald Trump, and I know how serious he takes the border. I know how serious he took it when he was in the White House. I went to the border after he left the White House, and I'm glad that he had Governor Abbott with him because obviously it's a situation that affects the state of Texas. Governor Abbott and President Trump know it affects the whole country. The illegals and crime and drugs coming into our country affects Columbia City, and it affects Fort Wayne, and it affects Angola, it affects every every city and, and town and community and county uh, in the 3rd District of Indiana. So we, we know who cares about the border, and we know who's responsible for the, the catastrophe that's going on there. And, and I, I, don't, I don't think the, uh, 
the American people are fooled by Joe Biden's, uh, you know, late late coming, uh, uh, half fake interest in what's going on there. No matter no matter where he goes at the southern border. You know, I was thinking as you were just talking just now. You know, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, uh, you and uh, and David, your chief of staff called and made an offer for me to go with you down to the southern border. I'm sure you remember that. I was I was unable to go because of the status of my health at the time. Um, I'm I'm currently uh, completely healthy and able to go. Please don't ask me. But <laughs> but but we made the offer to Kayla Blakesley and it, it dawned on me, Kayla Blakesley made a stronger patriotic stand uh, and and staring down the enemy and and looking at the crisis it really is. Kayla Blakesley from a morning show on WoWo, took a stronger, greater stand than the President of the United States. She's, she's take, Caleb Lacey's taking more interest in what's going on at the southern border than Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the Biden administration has. Because Ka- Kayla hears stories, just like you do, of families who have lost children to fentanyl overdoses in, the, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and northeast Indiana, because she knows it affects us. And uh, I'm glad that she and WoWo got to cover what's going on there. Pat, we'll, we'll find another time to go so you can cover it for for uh, your show as well. It's important that, that Hoosiers hear about what's going on there and, and hear the, the real stories uh, about uh, how the border really is wide open. And we're not, we're not doing anything to secure and protect our country from illegals, crime, and drugs that are coming over the southern border because of Joe Biden. Um, one other thing, we've only got a couple of minutes left, talking to 3rd District Congressman Jim Banks from his office there in Washington, D.C. Congressman Banks, uh, the, the nasty two letters have been out again this week, CR, continuing resolution, which is, this is this financial loop we've gotten ourselves into because we never seem to be able to get everything down uh, and to deal with it, to get done with that. And another CR, a continuing resolution, came up again this week. My understanding is, and I hope it's true, that you, in fact, voted against that. Yeah, I'm I'm fed up with it. Um, I think at this point, I haven't gone back and looked at uh, the total number, but I think at this point it's half or maybe a little bit more than half of Republicans in the House who have voted against this CR. And and that's that's important, Pat, because I I don't know why the – you know, the, it, it's a short term, just a, a, a buying a couple more weeks. But even voting for a few weeks of with a, a CR, you're you're voting for spending at the Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi level of last Congress. So right here we are into uh, the into the beginning of March and the second year of a Republican majority, and we're still we're still passing spending bills at the same levels that Pelosi passed when she was the speaker over a year ago. And I, I haven't voted for any of it, I vote for any of it when she was speaker. I haven't voted any of it. This Congress that continues to, to spend at those levels, because that's why we have a 30, not just a $34 trillion national debt. That's why we have all of these woke policies still in effect because we're not defunding it. And, and I, 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 I wish Speaker Johnson would have taken the time that he's had so far to, push back harder and say we're not going to go along with it. Um, the, the only leverage that we have in this Congress is in these spending fights. And and uh, Speaker Johnson hasn't used that leverage yet, which is I think is disappointing. Well, and money talks and Republicans just need to learn to shout a little louder. Congressman, as always, thanks for your time today, sir. I appreciate you very much. Have a good day.
And welcome back as we start our last half hour together on this Saturday. Glad you all are with us. Very thankful for our guest throughout the day, Kayla Blakesley, who we're going to try very hard. Uh, it won't always work, but we'll try very hard to have her each and every Saturday as we meet together. Philip Wegman, who has uh, been a regular uh, on my weekly weekday program for the last three years, and I certainly want to try to keep him in our lineup as well. I was very grateful for Martin Carbaugh today, who cannot always be with us because of his schedule between here with his business and his schedule down at the State House and the busyness that they have, uh, where he tries to represent Indiana's 81st House District and does it quite well, I might add. And then, of course, we finished it up just in the last half hour with our weekly visit with Indiana's 3rd District Congressman Jim Banks, who is not just our 3rd District Congressman. He's kind of an important guy because of his position on the committees that he's on, uh, the Armed Services Committee, with the committees that he's been on, uh, where he has had a meaningful place relative to uh, the money spent and the things done. Uh, it's all quite important. And uh, so I always think it's pretty important for us to make sure that, unlike a lot of districts, I, I hope we understand just how important it is uh, to have what we have here. A lot of districts don't hear from their representative of Congress as we do. Um, it's uh, it's an unusual situation to have with him. Uh, it's more on his behalf for us than on mine to try to snag him. But to have him in place to always speak to us, uh, you know, from the time that he went to college at Grace in IU, uh, to have been uh, somebody who graduated here locally at Columbia City High School because he grew up there, He's an American politician who served us down at the State House, and now has served us in Washington, D.C., and now to have him continue to do that, and hopefully, uh, if there's such thing as a Pat Miller endorsement, I certainly give it to have him in the Senate, because uh, with McConnell with McConnell abdicating his seat, as he is, and he really needs to do that. McConnell made this statement the other day. In fact, McConnell uh, said that, you know, he, he had to sit there and look at where he's at uh, relative to everything going on with his seat. And he said, you know, what happens is you have to get to the point where you finally realize that it's time to go. He said, it's time to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. Um, I will tell you, um, I... I appreciate many of the things that McConnell did. I was more frustrated by a lot of the stands that he took as the leader in the Senate than I have been appreciative of uh, things that he accomplished or didn't accomplish. Uh, I really wish sometimes that he had perhaps abdicated a little sooner. I think that we would have, I think we would have a more conservative Republican as our other senator right now, as opposed to uh, the one that we have. Uh, having having uh, Senator Braun in place has been a huge plus. Having Senator Banks, if that's how we end up after November, and I'm fairly certain we will, will be a great plus for us also. Um, and then, in my view, the best is to then resend uh, Martin Carbaugh, or I'm sorry, uh, Marlon Stutzman to the House uh, so that you will have now, this is the Pat Miller lineup, so don't shoot me if it doesn't happen. But if you have Braun in the State House, if you have uh, Marlon Stutzman in the U.S. House, and if we put Jim Banks into the U.S. Senate, you're going to have 
a conservative representation from our segment of the state of Indiana, almost unlike anything else from anywhere else in the entire country. It will be a conservative ribbon. Now, I travel just enough, and I speak with other folks around the state and around the country, that they always speak of Indiana's 3rd Congressional District, how we as a Republican district, as we as the Allen County Republican Party under the leadership of, of our Republican Party chairman, as we have Steve Shine in place, that it is we are we are a bulb that burns brightly, and it is seen by everywhere in the country, and it is certainly seen here. I think that as we see that, it's a great time. And if, in fact, Mitch McConnell, and obviously his wife and others have sat him down and basically had the patting-on-the-shoulder speech, honey, it's time, and you realize it's time to go, thankfully, however it is that Mitch McConnell arrived at that decision, thankfully— he is now moving on in that position. Um, I don't need John Rust uh, with Soros money behind him running for Senate for the state of Indiana when Jim Banks is clearly, and I do mean clearly, uh, the, the best candidate for that Senate seat with the way that he has conducted himself in business, the way he has conducted himself on Capitol Hill, the way he has conducted himself on representing many uh, Republicans around the country and the way he has represented us on things that matter for our security, whether speaking on behalf of the border through uh, money policies in Washington, D.C., or actually being down on the border. You and I in the 3rd District, we're safer today because of Jim Banks. Uh, well, when Braun moves up to the State House and Banks moves up to the Senate House, now that everything business-wise is back in place for Marlon and Christy Stutzman, and they have saved countless number of jobs over there in the Napanee-Shipshawana area, uh, to see all that happen and come into place, it's the perfect time for him to go back in. And so we're going to have somebody back in the 3rd District again who knows us well as we know him. And to accomplish what needs to be done for us, this is a terrific time, an absolutely terrific time, if— my fellow Republicans, if, and I do mean if, we don't sit back on our laurels and just go, well, okay, so we're going to have we're going to have the governorship, we're going to have the Senate, we're going to have the third district. There. That's all done. It's all taken care of. It's not all taken care of until you and I come out of the polls the first week of November and all of the ballots are counted and we realize that we've put us back in a good place. And Hopefully, we've kept our collective act together and we return Donald Trump to the White House. If you've got Trump in the White House, if you've got Mike Braun in the Senate, if you've got Jim Banks, or Mike Braun in the governor's chair, Jim Banks in the Senate, and we return Marlon Stutzman through the, to the third district congressional chair, I think you're going to see a strength in Northeast Indiana unsurpassed anywhere. And I think you're going to see us have uh, a, a great deal of effectiveness everywhere. When we come back in just a minute, uh, here's how the Wall Street Journal put it when Mitch McConnell uh, announced that he would be leaving. The GOP leader's influence in his own conference is waning. His support for aiding Ukraine and for American leadership abroad is no longer the Zeltgeist in the Republican Party. The recent bipartisan border bill imploded on contact with Donald Trump's campaign priorities. 
The Sharks have been circling to pressure Mr. McConnell to depart, and Mr. Trump has never given the leader for his speech condemning Mr. Trump's behavior. He's never forgiven him that, his behavior on January 6th. One of life's most unappreciated talents, said McConnell in the well of the Senate earlier this week, is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today to say that this will be my last term as Republican leader in the Senate. Now, there are some people who are going to be uncharitable and try to throw a bunch of good riddance at Mitch McConnell. I'm not ready to do that. There have been scores of great votes and great positions that he has taken over the course of his years uh, since uh, 1987 being a strong leader in the Senate. I will tell you uh, that in the last six to eight years, Mitch McConnell, I believe, has been leaning on his laurels that are not necessarily as strong, nor do they paint as strong a picture as I think he would like to think or that we would like to give him. More to talk about when we come back. It's our last segment on this Saturday. Thank you for appreciating the Pat Miller program. Let us know how we're doing. Send us a text at 46862. That's 46862. Text the word Wobo first, and then your question or comment comes right here. Or send us an email. Join us every Saturday. We'll be back for our last segment today as we close this up here in this 2 o'clock hour here on Wobo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. This is the Pat Miller Program on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM and at WoWo.com. Closing time, open all the doors and let uh, Thanks once again for being with us on this Saturday. Uh, a lot of you already starting to write. Keep cons- considering sending us texts at 46862. That's 46862. Text the word WOWO or text the word PAT first. Then your question or comment comes right here. You can email me, Pat Miller. All one word, no dots or dashes, Pat Miller at WOWO.com. Well, Mitch McConnell, who now has said, he said, I, I, I've been thinking about when I would deliver some news to the Senate. I always imagined in a moment when I had total clarity and peace about the sunset of my work. A moment when I am certain I have helped preserve the ideals I strongly believe. It arrived today. And when he said that, it literally caught a lot of people off guard. McConnell lovers, McConnell haters, and those who find themselves somewhere in the middle. McConnell was first elected to the Senate in 1984. His announcement this week led to immediate speculation about who would replace him. Now, some of the names being thrown around are like John Thune of South Dakota, John Barrasso from Wyoming, and John Cornyn of Texas. But that's only because those three Johns, Thune, Barrasso's, and Cornyn, is only because they're from the McConnell wing of the party. In my view, three others, three far better and younger options might be Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Ted Cruz of Texas, and Josh Hawley of Missouri. Just do some Google searches or whatever your search engine is that you lose. Uh, do a Google search on Cotton, Cruz, and Hawley. See the things where they have spoken out vociferously in the last few years. Or look at some of their readings or writings and just sit there and check them out. And you tell me who would be better to serve. And I would tell you that those three, I think, would far outweigh the three Johns that have been mentioned. Now, what happens between now and the presidential election in November 
might also determine the Senate's next Republican leader. If Trump wins, we'll likely see a Senate leader more to his liking. But if Trump loses, we'll likely see one more that would be more to Chuck Schumer's liking. Look, McConnell has clearly lost a few steps. Earlier in his career, he seemed to be playing chess at a very high level, 3D chess, if you would, to the Democrats' checkers. He was the roadrunner to their Wiley Coyote. But lately, he'd been getting rolled. And indeed, McConnell had years ago assumed the role of the least popular person in Washington. And as the least popular person in Washington, the one closest to him wasn't even close. He'd also become more vindictive with age. His decision, for example, almost two years ago, to pull campaign funding from the likes of Senate candidates Blake Masters in Arizona and Don Boldu in in New Hampshire, and instead spend it on the single worst Republican senator in the entire caucus, was nonsense. He spent all that money on Alaska's Lisa Murkowski. In my view... And that's unforgivable. I've never met Lisa Murkowski. I know several people in Alaska, and I've talked to them, not a lot, but some, and they know her, and they're not, they think it's unforgivable. She might have been a loyal McConnellite, but she was also a rhino. She's the one, if you recall, who voted against confirming Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And who votes with Joe Biden, this is unbelievable to me, 68% of the time. 68% of the time. And that's where McConnell and the McConnell money, that's where they win. Now, let's be fair to Mitch McConnell. Despite all of this, McConnell's legacy has to include the stance that he has taken for the judiciary, for his dogged and determined work there. And for that, you and I have to be eternally grateful. No one is more responsible, nobody, for the conservative makeup that we now see on the Supreme Court. No one is more responsible for that more than Mitch McConnell. Nobody. He almost single-handedly, single-handedly, at the end of the, uh, of the uh, Obama administration, kept Merrick Garland from being able to step up to the high court. And when you see what a horrible secretary Merrick Garland has been, Can you possibly imagine if he had been a deciding vote, a deciding vote on the U.S. Supreme Court? I can't and I don't want to, and I'm not going to. But if it had not been for McConnell, that might be what we were facing. For that alone, me and you and all serious conservatives, we ought to cut him a little bit of slack. I mean, after all, that was Antonin Scalia's seat. That Antonin Scalia. And it now belongs to Brett Kavanaugh. There is a wide gap between Brett Kavanaugh and Merrick Garland. If Merrick Garland was in that seat, when you start looking at some of the decisions of the court, including abortion, including other stands that we've taken as a government in the last three years, if that seat was held by Merrick Garland instead of, instead of Brett Kavanaugh, can you possibly, possibly imagine? So McConnell is largely to thank for conserving a slew of Trump-appointed justices and judges. But it is time, it is time for new leadership in the Senate. And it's long past time for McConnell to go. I don't say that trying to be ugly to him, 
but you have other things going on. How many times? Is it four times now? Is it four times that we've seen Mitch McConnell standing out in the hallway outside of the Senate and he's getting ready to make some important statement? And all at once he locks up, says nothing. He's glaring ahead with that look in his eyes like, what the heck am I doing here? Has no idea where he is. Look, even if I liked everything McConnell has done in the last two years, and I don't, but even if I did, it's pretty hard to say the Democrats need to step up to the plate and tell Joe it's time to go. Well, Republicans have had to do the same thing. Because I don't know. I appreciate what McConnell said, but I don't think he woke up one day last week and said, you know what, sweetie, I think it's time. Rather than him tell her, I think she told him. And I think he's had some other nudges from behind and it all comes into clear view. But now we have a new we have a new platform on which to play and folks, one on which to pray. And that's to say, okay, Mitch McConnell has now helped us and he said, it's time to go. Let's make sure that we are very involved talking to the people that will help decide who, in fact, will be the the next the next uh, leader of the Senate. This will not be like Speaker of the House. This will this will not be the same where you have to have a vote of the whole Senate. This is a vote of the Republican part of the Senate. They choose their own leader, just as the Democrats have chosen theirs. We don't have to choose a Speaker of the Senate. The President of the Senate was decided by who it is that's the Vice President of the United States. And then the majority leader, uh, which would be for us, could in fact be the name of Cotton from Arkansas or Cruz from Texas or Missouri's Josh Hawley. All three of those would be better than Mitch McConnell, and all three of them would be better than any of the Johns. John Thune from South Dakota, John Barrasso from Wyoming, and John Cornyn from Texas. Not bad guys, but it's just more of the same. I don't want somebody that's going in there and they're older and they're beholden to Mitch McConnell. If, if McConnell's going to be big enough to step aside, let's be big enough to let him. And let's be big enough to put somebody in place that's going to carry the water the way that we need to have it carried. And let's wait for that to happen. Okay, yes, he had a great legacy with the judiciary. But what does the next legacy of a Republican led Senate look like? Now, a lot of that is on us. We've got to get a Republican president. We have to make sure we hang on to a Republican majority in the Senate and it's all work. That's it for this Saturday. My thanks to all my guests. My thanks to you. Make sure you write me, Pat Miller, all one word, no dots or dashes. Pat Miller at WoWo.com. And we'll see you next Saturday from noon to three right here on WoWo 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. Podcasts by Federated Media.